Parenting teens is hard. Parenting teens in crisis is even harder, and we live in a culture that is really good at hiding. You know, we keep these struggles tucked in real tight around us, and so when something happens in our families that's tough and maybe even a little embarrassing, we feel like we're all alone. I promise you that you're not alone. But you definitely need a place where you can be a part of honest conversations that give a voice to the challenges you're facing. A place that normalizes the hard that we have to walk through with our teenagers. So I'm inviting you to join us on this path towards healing, where we'll discuss topics that drive out shame and teach us how to navigate the emotions and uncertainty that come with parenting a teenager facing the juvenile court system. This twice-monthly podcast is presented by Pathways to Hope Network, and we strive to do all of that while honoring the unyielding love a mother has for her child. Now, you may have noticed back towards the beginning of this year we did a little name change of the podcast. Our podcast originally started with the name Unyielding, which really was a tribute to what I felt like was a mother's love for her child. You know, we may experience frustration with them. We may get upset. We may be hurt by them. We may be saddened by the decisions that they're making. We may be even angry at them. But one thing that doesn't change is that we love them. And so originally when I started this podcast, I started it with the name Unyielding. But I was learning more about podcasting and one of the tips that I came across was that a listener should know what your podcast is about based on just the title of the podcast. And I realized that Unyielding while it describes our hearts as mamas, it doesn't really tell somebody who doesn't know what this podcast is about, what this podcast is about. And so I switched the name from Unyielding to Parenting Teens Through the Hard in January. And turns out, uh, I guess the experts know what they're talking about because we saw our listenership and our downloads go way up. So from around February 1st, our subscribers went up, our download numbers went up. And so that's really exciting to me. And the reason is because I know that more of you are being reached. And that's really powerful for me because as a mom who went through some tough things of my own, I couldn't see at the time how any of that could be used for any good. And so to be able to get to a place where the podcast is out and people are subscribing and people are downloading, it tells me that there's some good that came from the chaos in our lives. And I think in the end, that's all that we can really hope for is that somewhere at the end of all this, we're able to look back and say, as hard as it was, as challenging as it was, I'm a better person for having gone through it. And I can use what I've learned to reach my hand down to people who are climbing up that same mountain and offer them a little lift every now and then. So I'm really grateful that you're here. 
this podcast and you mean so much to me. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this process of normalizing the hard that our teens go through because it is very normal and we don't need to be stuck in a shame cycle for it. We just don't. I'm Angie, by the way. Did I mention that? I'm your host and also the director of Pathways to Hope Network, which is a nonprofit organization that offers support to parents like us. So before we start this episode, let's do a little recap from our last episode, which was episode 37, React Less, Respond More, Tips for Practicing Mindful Communication. In that podcast episode, I talked about this idea of tiny fires and how in parenting teens who are traversing the hard, we are constantly becoming aware of new fires that are cropping up all over the place. And when we start seeing those fires, it's very normal for us to have a reaction. And as a result, we end up kind of patching up the problems, but never really solving them. This sense of urgency that we have ends up overthrowing what's really important to us. And so we went over some tips for getting out of reactivity mode and into response mode. And then I gave a little bit of an assignment to get yourself some practice in knowing the difference between recognizing the difference between reacting and responding. Because like psychologist Carl Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And all of that was setting the groundwork for today's episode, which is connection versus control, finding the right balance in your parenting approach. I came across this quote on social media. I love social media quotes. I don't know what it is about the social media quotes, but I, I love them. I take screenshots of them. I'm a quote person. I am that person people make fun of that have the sayings in their house. That's that's me. I'm one of those people. So I came across this quote on social media by an author by the name of Ian Thomas. And when I read it, it just kind of settled on top of my heart. And I thought, yeah, that's it. And the quote reads like this. It says, and every day the world will drag you by the hand yelling, this is important. And this, and this is important. Hey, you need to worry about this and this and this. And each day it's up to you to yank your hand back, put it on your heart and say, no, this is what's important. And we get so busy assuming the role of a full-time firefighter that we don't have any time for what's truly important. The heart. Our heart. Our child's heart. The heart. So I did a poll on a couple of different Facebook groups that I belong to. And it's important to know that the people that were taking the poll were people who had adult children that were in crisis. So they were either currently facing charges, currently serving time for a mistake that they made, currently dealing with addiction. They were in some type of crisis. And I asked the question to the parents in this group, if you could go back and do things again, would you put more time and attention towards finding solutions to the problems 
or towards the relationship with your child. And an overwhelming 61% said relationship. 61%. So the majority of people, right, believed that if they could go back, they would focus more on the relationship. But the other 39% didn't say they would focus on the solution. In fact, less than 1% said that they would go back and focus on the solution. Instead, the people who were taking the poll switched things up on me a little. So I gave the two options, relationship or solutions, and somebody put in a third option. And the third option they put in was teaching my child to manage their emotional or mental health more effectively. So 38% said that if they could go back, they would focus on teaching their child to manage their emotional or mental health more effectively. At first, being a rule follower, I was a little like, really, you couldn't just answer the question and choose one of the two you had to put in your own. But then it got me curious. And I actually reached out to the person and said to them, hey, I noticed you added in your own answer on the poll and a good number of people agreed with you. I'm curious if you could go back and do that again, how would you do that? And so we'll see what she says. And maybe that's going to be a future episode because that seemed to be an answer that resonated with a lot of people. But the relationship piece is the piece that we're going to be talking about today. See, once we are able to begin to at least have an awareness around our reaction to situations, which is what we talked about last episode, we can begin to think about how to change the behaviors that are not serving us. Now, hopefully you're at a place where you do recognize that constantly reacting is not serving you or your child in a way that is beneficial long term. But how do we begin to change that behavior? Well, there's three levels of behavior change that we're going to talk about today. And I want you to kind of think of this as an onion, okay? So three levels of behavior change. The outer layer, picture an onion, the outer layer is changing your outcome. So this is focused on results, okay? So you recognize you're not getting the results that you desire. So you decide to try changing in order to produce a better result. Now, the second layer of behavior change is changing your process. So this is where you start focusing on your habits. And we started this process last episode where we gave you some new habits to replace the old habits of reacting when you're dealing with those fires and being in fight or flight mode. And the middle layer, which is the deepest layer, and really packs the most punch in terms of changing our behavior has to do with our identity. See, on this layer, you begin to focus on the internal. You think about your image of yourself. You start thinking about your judgments, your judgment of yourself, your judgment of others, the assumptions that you make. You're beginning to probably see why this is the deepest layer of behavior change. Because what happens is people often just focus on what they want to achieve and then they just start to move towards that. But according to James Clear, who's the author of Atomic Habits, I'll put the link in the show notes below, we're much more successful when we focus on who we wish to become. So who do you wish to become? And I think maybe the easiest way to identify who you wish to become is to think about who am I right now? 
what kind of mom am I right now? And the parts of that that drive you crazy, those are the parts that you get to think about redefining. So who am I right now? I am easily triggered when something goes wrong. Who do I want to be? I want to be a mom who's patient and has a much longer fuse than I have right now. And understand that through the filter of it's okay who you are right now. Who you are right now is not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with you as you are right now. All of the parts of you that are showing up that you wish were different are all there as a result of the stuff that you've been going through, of the hard things that you've been having to figure out. And so we just begin to recognize, well, who is that person and who do I want to become? When you think of those tiny fire situations that pop up every day, what kind of mom do you want to be in those situations? What posture does that person take in the situation? How does she show up? Because you can adopt approaches and techniques, but any behavior that is incongruent with self will not last. And what I mean by that is that you can say that you could do a better job handling conflict and avoiding power struggles. But if you believe that your identity is someone who's not capable of releasing control, then you're going to continually be pulled towards reacting rather than responding. So that's tip number one today. I want you to think about who you want to become in this season. Listen, friend, you are growing towards something. These life experiences are not just forming your child. They're forming you too. You are either becoming a more controlling, stressed out, angry version of yourself or a more calm, resilient version of yourself. And these are microscopic, tiny 1% shifts that occur regularly. So think about who you want to become this season. Think about her. Maybe even give her a name. Give her a persona. Who is she? If she was in a movie, how would she show up? What would she be like? Begin to give her life and think about her in a real and tangible way. Because two things that you're going to be constantly juggling for the next few years as you're parenting teens and really as you're parenting adults also, it's still the same. You're going to have to be balancing connection versus control. So let's talk a little bit about how you can tell the difference between when you're trying to achieve control and when you're trying to achieve connection. I think for a lot of us, this is kind of obvious, but I feel like it's worth putting out there still. So in control, the sole focus is on modifying the behavior of others, okay? So the sole focus of control is modifying the behaviors of others. And in order to achieve that goal, it requires that we engage in power struggles. And it relies on tactics such as negativity, aggression, criticism, intimidation, and rejection. Now let's think for just a moment 
about the impact on a relationship when one of these tactics are in play? What would the impact of the relationship be if suddenly someone who you care about seemed like they were always negative, acted aggressively, criticized you, tried to intimidate you, or rejected you, pulled away from you? If you weren't living your life the way that they thought you ought to, what would the impact be? And listen, I know it's different. I know it's different. I know your your kids are your charge. You're entrusted to take care of them, to guide them. But you can't control them. No matter what you do, you can't actually control what they're going to choose. And you can try and use tactics such as negativity and aggression and criticism and intimidation and rejection to influence them. But the chances are that's going to come at the cost of your relationship. So we have to learn a different way. Now, connection on the opposite end of that, the sole focus there is on the relationship, right? Obviously. And it requires curiosity. It requires validating feelings, observing, considering the perspective of the other person. When we're focused on connection, our child isn't obstinately fighting for control because we aren't fighting for control. And as a result, they are more motivated to consider our advice and internalize our values See, we have to learn to begin to separate ourselves from the actions and decisions that our children are making. Yes, we want to protect them. Yes, the fear of what could happen to them keeps us up at night. But their choices and their decisions for the rest of their life are going to be their choices and their decisions. And we have to learn to create a little space between our well-being and our ability to respond to high-stress situations in a productive way and their actions. I've given the analogy before of this idea that your child is on a kite. And if you've ever taken a kite to the beach before, you know that the wind is whipping that kite all over the place and you're on the ground. You don't really have a whole lot of control over what direction that kite goes or what happens, which way the wind takes it. You're on the ground and you're holding the string. But if you try and climb up and get on that kite, no one's holding the string. You're just on the kite with them, flopping around everywhere that the wind's taking them. Yeah, it's scary. You don't know which direction life is going to take them. But you are so much better on the ground. You are so much better when you are not allowing the wind to pull you every single direction. When you can be the calming force that's always consistent, that's always on the ground. The hands that are always wrapped around your child and being constant for them. Connection is our superpower. It's our superpower. The challenge with this approach is that a lot of times it feels like 
we're enabling in some way. If we don't meet the choices that they're making with negativity or with criticism, after all, if we don't send the message that what they're doing is not okay, then how are they ever going to learn? Well, life is going to teach them. Life will give them plenty of negativity and it'll give them plenty of criticism and it'll give them plenty of intimidation. Life is going to teach them. See, they're beyond the point now of you taking care of that every need, of you being the one putting the food in their mouth, of you being the one to get them dressed in the morning and out the door. They're beyond that point. And while we still want to protect them, we can't protect them from the negativity and the consequences that they're going to face out in the real world. But we can protect them from the negativity or the criticism they might face from us. See, we can focus on the relationship. We can focus on the connection. We can focus on the heart. If you were to stop and think for a moment about who the people are in your life that you have learned the most from, would they be the people who aggressively focused on your choices and your decisions? Or would they be the ones who worked at connecting with you and who modeled life for you without even knowing that they were doing it? From time to time, I talk on the show about my faith and I consider myself to be a Christ follower. But for many, 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 many years, I did not have a life of faith because there were so many Christians that I came across who were judgmental and self-righteous and hypocritical. And it wasn't until I started to get around people who thought differently than that, who really understood that it was our job to love and serve other people that we are meant to that we are meant to look out for each other and to be an example of what God's love is to other people when i started seeing that i started connecting with that in myself and that's what changed my heart when i started to realize the way that god loved me that's what really changed my heart It wasn't the people who were angry and who were critical and who were being confrontational and intimidating and demanding that everybody live by a set of standards that nobody seems to be living by. And the same is true in our parenting journeys. You know, if we want connection with our kids, if we want true influence over them, then we don't get it by telling them how frequently they're not measuring up to what's expected of them. They're going to figure that out on their own. It's by having those conversations and seeking opportunities to connect and figuring out a way to overlook the disappointments that seem to happen on a regular basis. The way that we are able to find connection with our children is by first finding connection with ourselves. Who do I want to be? What posture does that person take? What kind of mom is she? So let's wrap up this session today talking about a few suggestions on how you can start to shift the things that you're focusing on. Okay, so here's number one. Spend a few days challenging yourself to focus on the positive, however small it may be, versus the negative. See, the negative things shout and demand our attention So they're really easy to spot. Be a studier of the positive. 
look for them. Take the time to receive them. Take the time to truly be grateful for them. Trust me, they're there. Number two, spend a few days focusing on working together to solve a problem with your teen versus confrontation and control, which only leads to defiance. So as problems arise, focus on working together to solve the problem. Now, are you going to have a magical experience the first time you try this? Like, why didn't I think about this years ago? It's so simple. No, you're not. Because you're practicing it. It's a practice. You wouldn't sit down to a piano and think that you knew how to play a song just because you heard it. No, you'd have to practice. And our kids give us plenty of practice. So spend a few days focusing on working together when a problem arises to solve your problem versus using confrontation and control. And finally, spend a few days documenting those 1% improvements you made during the day. You are working hard. Listen, today's is already done. The 1% improvement that you did today was you considered another perspective. You gave yourself time to listen to this podcast. You committed to self-learning. You had an aha moment. You challenged a thought. All of those things may have occurred just while you were listening to this. Start documenting those. We have enough voices in our head telling us that we're getting this wrong, that we don't know what we're doing, that we're failures as parents. No, those are lies. That's not truth. Start documenting the 1% improvements that you make during the day. I tell you, this will be such a perspective shift for you if you can do this for even three days. Give yourself this tiny gift. Now, you may or may not notice two things that each of these steps have in common. First, they're going to require that you are not in fight or flight mode. So if you're in fight or flight mode, breathe and remember your mantra. There's a screensaver in the show notes of episode 37 if you still need it. I want to learn to handle this well. I will do nothing until I have calmed down. I want to learn to handle this well. I will do nothing until I have calmed down. And the second thing they have in common is that they're all focused on you. Remember what I said last episode? Oh, you forgot? Well, let me play it back for you. Starting today, your child is no longer the project. You are. Your child is no longer the obsession and the person that you need to fix. You are. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. I don't know what else to tell you. I meant what I said. Remember, friend, every day the world will drag you by the hand yelling, this is important, and this is important, and this is important. Hey, you need to worry about this, and this, and this, and each day, it's up to you to yank your hand back. Put it on your heart and say, no, this is what's important. 
Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. In complete transparency, I want you to know that I am not in any way, shape, or form an expert in the field of parenting. No, you're not going to find any fancy initials after this name. In fact, you know, I'm just a mom like you who had to navigate some really tough experiences with my teenage kids. And in my own desperate need for hope and healing in my family and in my life, I've spent a lot of time and energy researching and referencing all the things because if there is one thing I have learned, it's that we're stronger together. Your ratings and reviews mean so much. In fact, they can make or break a podcast. So if you found this information helpful today, would you take 60 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review? It would mean so much to the mama who hasn't found us yet and to me. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website. And be sure to subscribe. Each week, we send out one to two messages that are designed to encourage and equip you as you find your path towards hope and healing. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Pathways to Hope Network is a nonprofit organization with a mission to serve families with children in the juvenile court system. And we do that by providing cost-free support, resources, and community. The link will always be in the show notes below. Remember, you were never meant to go through this alone. <laughs>